Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Episode 7, Phoebe. Episode 7. Uh, who knew it would last this long? Who knew, <laughs> who knew we'd uh, <laughs> managed to actually stick to it for this long? <laughs> yeah, and we have, a, we have a new fan. We do have a new fan, yes. Yes, so um, Betty, my mum. Hi, Betty. Hi, Granny. Gigi. Granny. And Sarah, Auntie Sarah and Uncle Ken, I believe they, uh, they listened to the Marcel Petio episode. Yeah. And hopefully they might have found some of our other episodes as well. You never know. Hopefully, yes. I think that's one of the one of our better episodes. I think it's a really good story, the Marcel Petio one. It is a good story. Lots of yeah. layers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a very complicated man. Wasn't he? Yes. And the way he met his end as well was quite uh, fascinating too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was a very good that was a good case. Good, glad to hear that um, Granny can listen to it now. Yeah. So right. So this week I've watched the episode of Exhumed that was broadcast on Tuesday night. Okay. Um, yeah, they're strange stories because at least two of them now when they've exhumed the body, there's absolutely nothing left or, or virtually nothing left at all. But it's the very fact that they did the exhumation that brought the killer out of the woodwork. That's crazy, isn't it? Do you think they could just say that before they go to all the hassle of digging up the body? Well, so they could just try and say, oh, we've exhumed this body. They, they, they're, quite, um, they're quite public <laughs> affairs, I think. I know yeah, they, they do it in the middle of the night or whatever, but nevertheless, as I think we might have discussed before, when coffins are buried in America, they're inside like a, a tomb mm. liner, which could be concrete or metal to protect the ground above it, really, because mm. they know that the casket itself is probably going to collapse. I thought of you the other day when I ran through the cemetery and oh, there was, <laughs> <laughs> and there was um, a grave that had sunk a little bit on the top. Uh, there was yeah, like yeah. a few inches where it just like, like it literally in a perfect rectangle, it had just like sunk. Um, mm. Oh, I know what's happened down there. <laughs> yeah, the, probably the coffin down below has sunk and the mm. ground above it is settled. But if you had a, a tomb liner or yeah. whatever they're called, then that wouldn't happen. We'll suggest but, it to each riding council. <laughs> a bit late now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they but they pulled the whole thing out and it was just full of water. And right. so everything is sort of rotted. But um but it was and but there's slightly I don't know if not macabre. The weird thing is they put the whole thing, and it's twice I've seen this now as well on on this program, they put the whole thing on the back of like a flatbed truck. Yeah. And just tow it through the streets back to the wherever they're gonna take yeah. it to. It's it not very takes, dignified, is it? No, it kinda of <laughs> takes that like um what's the word like that kind of whole sanctity of I know, uh, yeah. Well it kinda of takes that away, doesn't it? When we were in France once and we went to the graveyard where Richard's granddad's ashes are, um they were moving a coffin there and they but they'd like taken it out of like a tomb because it's like a proper like Oh, okay. Thing. And they're moving a coffin out of a tomb. And I don't know what they were doing with it, but there was like family there and stuff. Right. But it was the middle of the day. So yeah. I don't know if it was an actual exhumation, if they were just repositioning or something. I don't know. Yeah, it seems that if you're going to be buried and if it's going to get wet, then you probably don't last very long. No, but, I mean, that's just how human bodies work, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Whereas a sort of in a, in a proper tomb, which is dry, yeah. then a coffin could last forever, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, kind of subjected to the elements. Mm. Yeah, but um, that's a good program. It's interesting. It is good. I've not really watched any, none that kind of really spring to mind. We were watching one the other day and no one got killed and I was like, that was a waste of my hour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll tell you something else I have been doing. Um, I've been listening to the Dateline podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. CBS Dateline podcast. So uh, it's good. I mean, there's loads on there. There's so many and they're good because they're like a short, sharp story. Like, and I like they have the interviews with people and stuff. Oh, I (laughs) I picked one last weekend. Which was three episodes, and each oh, one was okay. over an hour long each. <laughs> right, <laughs> I probably skipped that one. It was it was interesting, um, but they do tend tend to repeat themselves a lot. And right, it's almost like it's a television program, and you're just hearing the, yeah. the sound of it. It's, yeah, um, and I don't. I wonder if it is actually because Dateline is a program, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I wonder if yeah. Um, I've, I've well and truly, I spent the week listening to necronomapod which is very quickly becoming my favorite podcast Um, and they they do some really really great like deep dives on stuff so they i listened to a great one about jodie arias um which is pretty brutal and i was like walking around wilkinson's listening to it and i was like this is probably (laughs) where you could hear what i'm listening to (laughs) um and I the first half of one all about the Heaven's Gate cult, oh, okay, um, which is pretty fascinating as well. So that's been really interesting, just bonkers. Wow, absolutely bonkers. But yeah, okay. Well, the story I've got for you tonight, Phoebe, is one that you may have seen it on the television. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I think there are other podcasts about it. There are certainly quite a few entries on Murderpedia about it. Okay. Um, but it's not one that I'm particularly familiar with, mm-hmm. and maybe you know it, maybe you don't know all the details. Okay. But uh, it's a British, British murder. Cool. Back to the homeland. Uh, back to the homeland. Yes. So uh, for any of our American listeners, this will be all new to you, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't make American TV. Probably not. Um, and uh, it dives into the murky world of drugs, millionaires. And it ends up with bodies floating around Bournemouth Pier. There you go. Yeah. Wow. So this is the story of Kenneth Regan. Mm-hmm. And oh. as we'll find, his, his gang. Right. So Kenneth Regan was born in 1953. His birth name was actually Kenneth Avery, but he changed his name by deed poll. Okay. I'm not entirely sure when he did that, but... Um, in the uh, 1980s, 1990s, he was very much a big-time drug smuggler and dealer. And he also um, did a sideline in supplying fake passports as well. Oh, OK. He, uh, he lived the high life. He was obviously very successful at doing this. And, <laughs> a successful uh, drug dealer. <laughs> well, he was, yeah. He'd lavish, he, he was generous. He would lavish gifts on people that he was close to. Nice. He always drove the latest Mercedes sports cars. And he always had very large sums of cash about him, either okay. in the car or just on him. That's probably going to give him away as a drug dealer, isn't it? Yeah. And driving around in flashy cars <laughs> and driving around with lots of cash. Yeah. And um, he also invested in a freight company that he used to use to front his drug smuggling business. Right, okay. So, uh, yeah, they... How would you even start with a drug smuggling business? Like, how would you know where to start? I have no idea. And how do you get away with it for so long? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, this was in the like 80s, people 90s. people smuggling, like, how, how do they do it? Not that I want to do it, but it just blows my mind that they can still get away with it in this day and I, age. I, sh- I should think it probably starts small mm. and then it grows and grows and grows like a lot of businesses yeah. do, maybe. <laughs> anyway, 1997, he was in the bar at Harvey Nichols in Knightsbridge, as Lovely. you do. And he, he meets and befriends a lady, a divorcee a bit younger than him, called Belinda Bruin. Okay. Now, Belinda used to be the PA and close friend of Paula Yates, who was the ex-wife of Bob Geldof. Is she Peach's mum? Yes. And they split up and she became the girlfriend of Michael Hutchins, the lead singer of NXS, uh, okay. who himself... He hanged himself in a hotel in Australia. Oh, uh, that was in 1990, coincidentally in 1997. It's not really anything to do with the story, but just a bit of background. <laughs> and then Paul Yates herself was found dead of a drugs overdose in the year 2000. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Or I don't think I realised uh, that. Yeah, it was, it was deemed not to be suicide, just sort of misadventure. But I think yeah. she was in a pretty bad place after Michael Hutchins died i think that's what they said about peaches isn't it that it wasn't suicide i think that was misadventure i think anyway so um kenneth met belinda and he started showering her with gifts including a cartier watch lovely um, and his extravagance and his sort of obvious wealth gave him the nickname of captain cash okay <laughs> Anyway, in 1998, his luck ran out and he was caught with 30 kilograms of heroin. That's and, a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it is a lot of heroin. That's a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was caught with that. And a whole stack of cash in the car with him. So he was in line for a very long prison sentence, as you'd expect drug dealers yeah. and drug smugglers to, to get. But as part of his interviews uh, and negotiations with the police, he turned informer and started to give them information, which helped them to solve four other major drugs operations. And he even helped to get his friend Bill Hornsey arrested as part of one of the operations. Oh, wow. Okay. So as a result, he was given a fairly lenient eight years of prison. I don't really agree with that. Like... He still did something really wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Why should he have got off for kind of shipping his friends in? Because it doesn't negate from what he did. I know. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I presume eight years was lenient for the sort of crime that it was. Um, he was obviously a Mr. Go... Big in the drugs world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do people go to prison for like life for drug stuff? I think some people, maybe. I don't know. I'm not sure. But anyway. Um, because of British rules and all the rest of it, he was on parole after four years. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in the summer of 2002, Kenneth Regan was released from prison, but he had nothing. His country gentleman meets playboy lifestyle had just gone. He got nothing um, left at all. He'd gone to prison. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> when, he, when, he, when he did get out of jail, he had to go and live with his elderly father, who lived in a bungalow in Wiltshire. And he drove, drove an old car, an old oh, second-hand no. banger that got him around. <laughs> Not his nice Mercedes anymore. No more nice Mercedes, no. But he did get back in touch with Belinda uh, and try to spark up that friendship again. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it ever went more than a friendship, but uh, he got back in touch with them. By this stage, she'd actually moved to live in a farmhouse in Devon near Tiverton. Oh, okay. Um, not a particularly large farm, but it had about 50 acres of land wow. about it, apparently. Plenty of place to stash drugs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he had no money because, you know, he got no business, if you can call drug yeah. smuggling a business. <laughs> So he starts to look for ways to make money. Uh, And in January 2003, he attempts to get involved with a land deal worth about £3 million for a plot of land near Heathrow Airport. So while doing this deal, he meets uh, a guy called Amajit Chohan, who was also part of this land deal. Anyway, the whole land deal falls through. But it turns out that Amajit Chohan also owned and run a haulage company, okay, which operated out of uh, Hounslow in West London, which is mm-hmm. very close to Heathrow Airport, and that was called Cyber Freight, C-I-B-A, mm-hmm. Cyber Freight. Could be handy for Could be handy. his drugs. <laughs> and that's exactly what uh, Kenneth Reagan thought. He mm. thought, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Uh I need another freight business to to front the start of a drug smuggling and dealing operation again. It's good to see that prison changed him. (laughs) Yeah, well, obviously couldn't afford to legitimately buy the company from Amajit. So he hatched a plan to actually steal the company. Okay. Now, it turned out that Amajit Chohan himself had had a few brushes with the law. Um, he had been jailed for three years for tax evasion at some oh, point. Yeah. And he got involved in exporting chat to the USA. Now, chat is like a sort of a, it's described as a a soft drug that North Africans chew. Oh, okay. It's like a chewing drug. I, I think oh, it's okay. like chewing tobacco or something like that. Right. Um, and and he was exporting pallets of this stuff to the USA, I guess, through Heathrow. Now, whether that in itself was illegal or not, I don't know. Okay. But it was um, quite high pressure because right. he used to get a lot of North Africans that sort of lived in London coming around to his warehouse, seeing if they could get any free samples of the latest batches that would come oh, in. Wow, okay. And um, I'm not entirely sure how old he was. Um, but I think he was about ready to give up this freight business. So it was sort of well known that he was actually trying to find a buyer for it. Okay. Yeah, he was finding it all a bit too high pressure. And he also had quite a young family. Right. Uh, he got a young wife who was just 25. Okay. And two young boys. One was 18 months. The other was two months. Oh, wow. Okay. Really eight young week, then. Eight weeks old. Yeah. So Reagan had a plan, and he recruited some friends to help him, including his old buddy, Bill Hornsey, the one that he'd managed to get arrested by helping the police out with the operations, oh. and another guy called Peter Reese. Okay. Um, the fourth member of the gang was unknowing to her, and I believe this is the case, Belinda Bruin herself. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll find out how she got involved okay. in a little while. Kenneth Regan's plan was, I suppose, to put her as the the manager, the the the, the manager of the cyber freight company, right. while he did the drug dealing in the background, using that okay. as a front. So he got this plan. 
but he didn't actually want to buy the company. Right. Because he had no money. No. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, moving on to February, so just a month later, in February 2003, Reagan made several approaches to Chohan, telling him that he got some Dutch backers that were prepared to put some money behind his takeover of the company. He didn't really, but that's what he told him. And he arranged a meeting with Amajit Chohan at Stonehenge. Of course, why wouldn't I, you? Well, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, a bit of a strange place to, to hold a meeting. Or maybe it was just a rendezvous. Well, um, where, where was he coming from? Wiltshire? Yeah, he was living at his dad's bungalow in Wiltshire. Yeah. Where's Wiltshire? <laughs> sort but... of south of Oxford. Well, Swindon's okay. Wiltshire. Oh, okay. But right. Stonehenge is a bit further south than that. Yeah. And if it was coming from London, wouldn't it have made sense to like them? Mm, yeah. Straight down the M3, probably. Either okay. M4 or M3. Probably go still, still seems like a weird place to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it was because it was a relatively open air place, okay. quite close to, to his father's place. So he arranged this meeting at Stonehenge, which took place on February the 13th which was a Thursday. What year are we in? 2003. Three, okay. Yeah. So he was arrested in 1998, went to prison that year for four years, was released in the summer of 2002. Cool. And this was like the February the next year? This is the January and the February of 2003, yeah. While he's had time to work things out. So uh, Amajit said to his family that he was going off to to potentially do a deal to sell the, the business. They waved him off and they never saw him alive again. Oh, no. Yeah. So after the meteor at Stonehenge, Chohan was kidnapped by Reagan and taken to his father's bungalow. He was bound with brown packing tape. He was drugged and he was made to record messages to his family that he knew would be worried about him. That's not very nice. No, it's not very nice at all. So the three gang members are all there at his father's house. I've no idea where where Reagan's father is. (laughs) Not in. (laughs) (laughs) Not in. Um, So the three of them are at the the bungalow. And then Reagan and Hornsey leave Reese to guard Chohan. Uh, And on the 15th of February, which would be that Saturday, they head back to London, to Hounslow, and manage to talk their way into... Chohan house. Wow. Now in the house, um, as well as Nancy and the two boys, was Nancy's mother. She lived with with them as well. Reagan played the role of the sort of concerned friend to say, well, I was supposed to meet, I was supposed to meet your husband, but he he didn't turn up and this is terrible. What's happened to him? That sort of thing. Mm. And then once he got in the house, he uh, basically, um, well, he attacked them. All really, yeah, all four of them. So, Nancy, who was 25, Davinda, who is 18 months old, Ravinda, just two months old, and Nancy's mother, Charanjit Kaur, who was 51, were all killed, probably strangled. Yeah, all four of them were killed, probably strangled. And it is thought that their screams or their protests about this were also recorded to take back to Amajit to get him to comply with with what I wanted him to do. 
So this is the Saturday, the 15th of February. Uh, later that day, they hire a van and load all the bodies into the back of this van. And then they drive back to the bungalow in Wiltshire. So on the Sunday, the 16th of February, I don't know, they probably get back in the middle of the night or something. He's he's played recordings of his family uh, pleading for their lives and screaming oh and all the rest of it. I, I presume he thinks at that stage that they're not dead and he agrees to sign some blank pieces of paper and some pre, pre-written letters. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. So they've got, I think it's about 23 or something pieces of paper that they get him to sign. Oh, my God. Then they just finish him off. They've now got five bodies on their hands in Wiltshire. This is on the, the Sunday, the 7th. Quite a lot of bodies. Sunday the 16th. It's a lot of bodies, yeah. But on the Monday morning... Reagan drives back to London and he turns up at Cyber Freight and he explains that he has bought the company and he's got these bits of paper that appear to show that Amajit Chohan has has signed it over to him. Um, And the staff kind of accept this because they knew that he was looking to get out of it and everything. So, um, yeah, they thought that was that's what he wanted to do. And they then believe that, um, that Amajit and his family just wanted to get out of the UK. Reagan is now running Cyber Freight. Wow. Two days later, on the 19th, which is the Wednesday, 19th of February, the five bodies are taken in the back of this van. So they've mm-hmm. been lying around for a bit. Ooh. And they drive them to Belinda's farm. Ah, okay. So they're not going <laughs> to hide drugs on it. They're going to hide bodies on they're it. Hide bodies on it, uh, which is, as I say, near Tiverton in Devon. Did Belinda know about this? Well, the Apparently not. There's no record okay. that she did. Right, okay. Well, she, she finds out, obviously. But okay. she, for all accounts, she wasn't in on it. Okay. Now, when they get there, or, yeah, when they get there, Reese digs a ditch, quite a big, deep ditch with a mechanical digger, I guess, throws the bodies in and covers them up with, like, aggregate, you know, which okay. is like shingle and sand and bits of rock and stuff like that. And Belinda is led to believe that... Uh, they were just digging her a drainage ditch. Now that that all seems a bit strange. It's kind of them. <laughs> not sure what what she thought they were doing, or whether you know it was arranged. That's so or... random. Yeah, of course. Yeah, help yourself. Dig, dig me a drainage ditch. Yeah, fine, whatever. Or maybe I mean, fifty acres is quite big. Maybe they did it somewhere. I don't know where on the farm this actually happened. Okay, really. probably so. not like outside the back door. But I don't know. They. It's, Seems both she, well she thought not out notice. and not well thought out yeah. at the same time. Anyway, um, Reagan takes Chohan's car down to Southampton, where okay. he gets a friend to dispose of it. So presumably, they're getting about the, a bit, aren't they? This is the car that was. This is the car that. We, yeah, they are. This is the car that was either left. We must have been left at Stonehenge, I suppose, because they wouldn't yeah. have said, "Oh, follow me to my dad's place, where I'm going to tie you up and kill you." Or maybe they did. But yeah. one way and another, they managed to get rid of it. Okay. <laughs> it seems to be going well for them. He's now got a freight company that everyone okay. thinks is legitimately purchased. That's handy. The uh, the Chohans seem to have uh, left the country to live their new life somewhere. But um, not long after, about two or three weeks later, Nancy's brother, Onka, Onka Verma, gets concerned because he hasn't heard from his sister or his mother yeah. for a while. 
he finds it very strange that they've just disappeared. He wasn't told that they were going anywhere, uh, leaving the UK. So he gets very suspicious. And he's actually living in New Zealand. Okay. So he books himself on a flight and he turns up in London. Wow. To put some pressure on the police to do some investigation. Uh, Yeah, they realise that uh, no one's heard from them. And uh, so they actually prefer the case to the uh, Scotland Yard Serious Crime Squad. Right. Start investigating. So, of course, their investigations inevitably lead them back to Cyber Freight mm-hmm. because that was the last thing they knew he was involved with, yeah. his company. They actually end up interviewing Reagan about, you know, and he sort of spins them the, the story. But he's severely rattled by this and he mm-hmm. thinks, hmm, if they know about me, they might work out my relationship with Belinda Bruin and then they might visit her farm and start sniffing around down there mm, and okay. discover things that we don't want them to discover. On Easter Saturday 2003, which was really late that year, it was the 19th of April, Reagan, Hornsey and Reese go back to the farm in Devon and they dig up the bodies. Wow, okay. So that Ooh. they're not found there then on easter sunday they somehow acquire a boat some reports say that you bought a little boat whether they did or not just hired one put the four five bodies on there so that's oh my goodness Amajit, his wife his mother-in-law and the two boys the two young boys take them out into the sea the english channel Whoa. and dump their bodies over the side of the boat oh my goodness me yeah they would not have been in a very good state because they'd have been like nearly two months old, wouldn't they? Yeah, probably not great. I can't find any information about how they might have prepared to drop them in the sea, whether yeah. they weighted them or anything like that. But, um, well, yeah. Now, Reagan knows that the police are watching him. I mean, right. after all, he's, he's he's got form, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, Suspected drug dealer takes over. Well, a, a convicted drug dealer takes over a company of a guy who just mysteriously goes missing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so he um, he tries to keep the deception going a bit, and on that Monday, he makes it known that he is supposed to be meeting Amajit Chohan. Because Amajit wants some false passports. Right, okay. So, yeah, if you remember, um, that was one of his sidelines back yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. And the the arrangement is that he's going to actually meet him in Newport in Wales. And the rendezvous point is underneath a, a brass pig that's <laughs> that's in the middle of the town. Anyway, um, I think the police now realise that this was further mocking by Reagan of the police because police are referred to as pigs and they think Uh, that's that's why he chose it. He must have known about it. So he did all this play acting. They were obviously watching him. He sort of stood by this pig in the middle of the town waiting for, Mm. for this rendezvous that of course never happened and no. you say oh they're not here they're not here i wonder what's happened so anyway that that wasn't a very convincing ruse but nevertheless it was just him trying to uh prolong the deception anyway the very next day so only two days after he'd been dumped in the sea 
Mm. A body is found floating around Bournemouth Pier. Yeah, so they drag it out of the water. Uh, And it took them a week, but they do confirm that that is the body of Mr. Chohan. Wow. Yeah. So the police announce this. They say the body of Amajit Chohan's been drugged out of the water. We know now that he's dead. He's obviously been dead quite a long time. Mm. Um, there's obviously foul play going on here. Hmm. Who do we suspect? Yeah. Hmm. I wonder who could have done it. <laughs> yeah. So the three of them, Reese, Hornsey, and their ringleader, Reagan, flee. Actually, Reese only goes to stay with some friends or a friend in Gloucestershire. But uh, Reagan and Hornsey, they actually go on a ferry oh, okay. go over to France. And then from there, they, they get themselves to Spain. Um, so they're on the run for right. mainland Europe now. Okay. Police do make the connection to Belinda's farm and they interview her. Evidently, she claims she knows nothing about it, but they do have a good look around and they see that this land looks a bit dodgy and they excavate where the ditch was and they do discover DNA and other articles that are in the ditch that uh, obviously pointed to the fact that the Chohans had been there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, um, So not much longer after that, on the 14th of May, given that the police are looking for these three guys... Peter Reese is arrested while he's in a pub in the Forest of Dean. Okay. <laughs> then um, nothing much more happens, but in July, a body is found floating near the Isle of Wight, and that was found to be the body of Nancy. Right. Reagan and Hornsey are on the run in Europe, and they eventually run out of money because they didn't have much to start with. Nice. <laughs> They only just taken over this new business. Well, yeah, and I don't suppose that was really very lucrative in its own right until he managed to establish some sort of drug running thing again. And Reagan is by this stage in Belgium and he's actually arrested on a campsite in Ghent in Belgium. (laughs) Hornsey isn't with him, but he eventually decides that he's fed up with being on the run. He's got no money, he's living a miserable existence he returns back to dover and hands himself in oh wow well at least he handed himself in i guess yeah so in early september the body of charanjit kaur is found also floating around the isle of Wight. they never found the bodies of the two boys oh dear reagan hornsey and reese are charged with their murders good we now jump all the way to November 2004. Okay. So all this happened in sort of February, March 2003. So like 18, 20 months later, they actually go on trial. And it, the trial is at the Old Bailey. Okay, nice. Uh, and they all deny murder and false imprisonment. Obviously. Now, during the trial, it is disclosed that while... Amajit was being held prisoner, basically, at the bungalow of Mm. Reagan's father. He managed to find a letter that was addressed to Reagan's father. Oh, okay. And he stuffed it inside one of his socks. No way. Yeah. 
Um, so when they did the post-mortem and all the rest of it, um, they found this letter inside his sock. No way. And so it actually pointed them back to the fact that he must have been there. So that was further evidence that he'd been... Uh, That's so clever. He'd, he'd been part of, of that. Bearing in mind that his father's name was still Avery. Yeah. Um, and there is actually a picture, which you can't read it very well, but I'll, I'll, I'll put it on our Instagram page. Cool. Um, That's of, so... of the letter. It was from Cheltenham and Gloucester Building Society. No <laughs> That's really good it was, thinking. It was folded up and... Um, yeah, he had survived being buried and then survived being in the sea. He was only in the sea for a yeah. couple of days before he was drinking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the print had survived. So they could wow. see that it was... Uh, That's amazing. It is, yeah. Um, the murder trial was the longest involving the Metropolitan Police. That's interesting. Yeah, it cost £11 million. It's quite a lot of money. It was, yeah. And eventually on the 1st of July 2005... So that's what it's a long months. trial, yeah. It's a long trial. Surprised it took that long. So long. I don't know. Uh, Reagan and Hornsey are actually con- convicted of all the murders. Reese is convicted of Amajit's murder and assisting an offender, but he's cleared of murdering the other four because okay. he wasn't there. He he'd stayed at the bungalow, right? Where the other okay. two, Hornsey and Reagan, had gone back to the house in Hounslow and, and killed them. Right. But he was obviously involved in disposing their bodies. So, yeah. uh, uh, Reese was given a life of a minimum of 23 years. Wow. Reagan and Hornsey were given life and they were given whole life tariffs. Wow. Okay. And they're one of not very many people in this country that actually have got whole life sentences. Wow. That's interesting. They deserved yeah. it. Well, they did deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> they were just brutal. I mean, yeah. killing the whole family just to uh, be able to start up a drug company or whatever. Drug, well, not even a company, a drug racket. Yeah. That's crazy. It's pretty brutal. What a horrible man. I um, know. Well, yeah. Probably like gangstery, like the sort of tactics he used and stuff like that. But what great yep. thinking to stuff that letter in his stuff. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been an unguarded moment or something. Yeah. Because uh, I suspect he knew that things weren't going to go well. He found this yeah. letter. Stuffed it in his sock. Oof. That's very yeah. Good. So um, he managed wow. to get them convicted from the grave. Fantastic. Great work. <laughs> so that's the story of the, uh, the sad story of the Chohan family and of uh, the ringleader, Kenneth Reagan, and his chums. Yeah. What an awful man. What an awful man. Yeah. And he didn't really take, spend a lot of time not getting into trouble, did he, between him coming out of prison and then him getting involved in no. this? He wanted to make big money quick, and he knew, because he got years of experience, that uh, smuggling drugs and dealing drugs, yeah. he was Mr. Big in the drug world. He must have been in the 80s and 90s, and uh, oh. he was probably quite good at it until he eventually got caught. Yeah, well. But <laughs> he did get caught. And then he got caught again. He, he really did, didn't he? I think he maybe took it a little bit far the second time. Yeah. So greed doesn't get you anywhere. No. Absolutely not. Wow. Well, thank you very much for sharing that. <laughs> My pleasure. Don't have nightmares. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'll try. I'll I'll try not and get involved in businesses and drug lords and things like that. <laughs> Probably so. best to avoid that, yeah. yeah. I'll put some pictures on our Instagram page, which is cool. Dad and Daughter Do Death. Yep. 
And uh, yes, you can email us at dadanddaughterdodeath at gmail.com. If you That's have it. any comments, you can leave yeah. us a comment on the, on your podcast provider. Yeah, I think we're on Apple and Google and Podbean and something and TuneIn, I think. TuneIn at the we're moment. On TuneIn, yeah. Yeah. Um I still haven't worked out how to get it onto Spotify. I think you have to pay to get it onto Spotify. So we haven't done that yet. <laughs> I don't think we're big enough for that. No, no. <laughs> we need a few million regular followers, I think, to get us onto Spotify. <laughs> but yes, leave us a comment, send us a message, give us five stars. Yes, we'd, we'd appreciate all of that. <laughs> So that's dad and daughter. Share with death. your friends. Yes, tell all your friends here and abroad. We're global. We, yep, available uh, around the world. <laughs> and uh, it's my turn next week to find something gory to tell you about. <laughs> Indeed, I look forward to it. <laughs> so yes. join us again next time when once again, dad and daughter do death.